New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting cognitive neuroscientist Dr. Julia Mossbridge. She is the co-author with Teresa Chung of The Premonition Code, The Science of Precognition, How Sensing the Future Can Change Your Life. Welcome, Julia, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you so much. Glad to be here, Justine. I'm so glad to have you. Let's start off, first of all, telling us about your early experiences and why you even got into this research in the first place. My early experiences with precognition were dream precognition, which is the most common experience type of precognition, or at least it's the type that people are most willing to talk about, because uh, many, many people dream, or at least remember their dreams. And um, my first precognitive dream was about a girl losing her watch on the playground, my friend Ishane, who was my best friend at the time. And I just dreamed that she lost her watch on the playground during recess, and the next day that's what happened. It was an arbitrary dream. It wasn't super exciting to me. You know, it was exciting that it happened, but it wasn't earth-shattering. It wasn't like I dreamt that there was a fire and then the school had to be evacuated or something. It was just a watch on the playground. It was mundane. But I was really impressed by that. I was sure that either I had misremembered or I had actually had a precognitive experience. I didn't know the name for it then, but that I had predicted the future in my dream. So that experience, after talking to my parents about that experience, my mom is a therapist, my father a physicist. My father said, well, you know, maybe it's a coincidence. My mother said, maybe it's a coincidence, but hey, why don't you get a dream journal and start writing things down? And so I started my scientific ways fairly early, around seven years old taking care every morning to write down my dreams. And then I noticed those kind of things happening more and more. So did your girlfriend lose her watch? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) So did that surprise you? Well, when it happened, I thought, oh, she lost her watch. Oh, bummer. You know, when you're seven years old, your watch is a big deal, right? It was a present from her father, I think. Yeah. So it was a big deal. It didn't surprise me, of course, because I had the dream, but I was impressed by the coincidence. You notice, even as a seven-year-old, you kind of noticed it. Yeah, for sure. I think that you shared with me when we first got together that you can also share another precognitive incident that happened just, what, yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're going to hear my most recent and then my furthest back. My furthest back was the watch on the playground. My most recent was, um, I mean, these stories are always fun, but just a, a note that you can never scientifically prove that any of them are precognition, right? You need to go in a lab and do controlled experiments to do that, but they're fun. And they're what make me interested in this. So just yesterday, I dreamed and wrote in my dream journal, what a weird dream. I dreamed that I was at the grocery store and that I was planning to meet my son at the grocery store. And my son just went off to college in Boston and I'm missing him, you know? So I chalk this dream up to missing him. But in the dream, I plan to meet him. He's five years old when I finally do meet him. And I just love the feeling of seeing him. Oh, and it turns out he's five years old. So like, it's an extra, you know, it's an extra. It's a special age. It's a special age. Yeah. yeah. And so um, then I woke up and I thought of that interesting dream. And then the first text of the day that I get from anyone is from my son. And he says, all right. So I admit that I was missing home. So I walked to Whole Foods just to be there. Oh, I I connected with him. Connected through the dream. Yeah, Yeah. and it was precognitive of his text, I believe. Of course, that brings up a good point. It could also be telepathic. 
Right. So we get confused about all these terms, yeah. precognitive, premonition. So yeah. help us to sort out these things. The book is called Premonition Code for a Reason. The reason it's called Premonition Code and not all about the science and practice of precognition is because most people have heard of the term premonition. It comes from roots um, pre, you know, before, and monere, to warn. And it's this feeling, it's an experience of just knowing that something is about to happen. Now, in the past, it was used only for negative things. That's why it's to warn. But now people use it for things like, oh, I have a premonition that I'm going to win the lottery, right? Yeah, that's right. a positive. It's a more general term now that's almost synonymous with precognition. Precognition is the more scientific term, pre again, before cognition, thinking. Now, it's not quite accurate because a lot of what we call precognition in the scientific world are actually feelings or unconscious or body experiences or compulsions that end up being precognitive compulsions or precognitive physiological events, and they may not be conscious. So it's not a great name, but precognition is the scientific name. Now, telepathy is the communication, the so-called communication between minds that are at distance, and that can be tested in the lab as well, and there's plenty of evidence for that too. But in the book, we're mostly focused, in fact, almost entirely focused on the science and practice of precognition itself. You know, I want to mention something. In the introduction of the book, there's something that, I, I don't know, maybe Dean Radin said this or someone else did. He was talking about in the 1900s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. somebody came up, uh, William Thompson said, yes. I think, said, okay, we have discovered everything about reality. We've got it, except for these two things. And that exception turned out to be quantum physics and relativity. And right. I mean, two major things. Yes. So are we on the cusp We're of like that, that right now? Right now that, that is how we are right now with time and consciousness. When I went to graduate school at UCSF in neuroscience, I'll never forget one of the professors coming into the student room where we, we had been there for about two weeks, the new graduate students in our cohort. There were only eight of us. And he came in and he said, I feel bad for you all. There's really not much more to discover. It's pretty much like bread and butter tying up the loose ends. And this was in 1991. And it's look at how so much has changed in neuroscience since then. So that kind of thinking is incorrect, but it's also the kind of thinking that has started to propel a lot of neuroscientists out of the materialist model and are starting to privilege consciousness as something that's fundamental. So do you think that as we accept the idea that precognition and premonition can be developed and even enhanced is going to help us personally and the planet? Yes. The whole reason I wanted to write this book with Teresa is because people outside of science, they believe that precognition is real. They don't necessarily know how to think about time in this way, or they don't know what the scientific evidence, but most people believe that it's real. And some scientists are starting to open up to it. And certainly physicists tend to be more open since there's evidence from physics that influence can move backwards in time. So what is missing here is a cultural movement that says this stuff is scientifically valid, it is scientifically supported, it is common, and it's useful. And there's so much fear around things that are unknown that there can be this belief that it's somehow negative. Well, it's only negative if you don't follow rules that are ethical, if you don't follow principles. And so what I created are some principles and ethics around precognition, and I call people who decide to follow those principles and ethics positive precogs. 
All of this is so exciting. And so where do you see your work going at the moment? What are you most excited about right now? What I'm most excited about is training positive precogs, creating a movement of positive precogs in the world, and combining that with artificial intelligence to create a situation where our world is drawing on all of our abilities and is not afraid to use our extended minds to function and to live better lives. That's really exciting. And this is where people can really tap into the website. And, and on the website, there is a community forum where people can really connect with one another. And I also want to say on the website that it's a place that you can test and develop your own precognitive abilities with these controlled precognition practices. It also has links to relevant research. It has lists of events with you, Dr. Julia Mossbridge, and with Teresa Chung and other scientists and experts speaking on precognition and also webinars. It's just full of all sorts of wonderful things. So I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today, Julia. I loved it. Thank you. Uh, me too. I've been speaking with Dr. Julia Mossbridge. She is the co-author with Teresa Chung of The Premonition Code, The Science of Precognition, How Sensing the Future Can Change Your Life. And if you want to know more, you can go to the website thepremonitioncode.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.